Welcome to Cricket Only Better, episode 214. I'm Ed Hawkins. This is your ultimate betting guide to the World Cup 2023, the contenders. Hello, Sam Collins. Hello, Hawkins. Um, No time to waste tonight. It's a whopping show where we tell you not only who wins the World Cup, but who will make the top four. Paul Krishnamurti of Betting.Betfair, are you ready? I am, sir. I am. Excellent news. Richard Mann of SportingLife.com, are you ready? I'm ready indeed. Excellent news. Uh, Hawkins, tell us what we have got, please. Okay, we've got team-by-team analysis for the top five in the betting. That's India, England, Australia, Pakistan and South Africa. Got possible 11s. We've got shock chances, win rates, bat and ball rankings. We've got all the odds. And we've got the best players to follow for each of those teams on the tops, markets, batters and bowlers. We've also got key information for the pitches. Lovely stuff. If you're wondering why we're not talking about the likes of New Zealand or indeed Sri Lanka, fear not. Cricket Only Better, episode 213, The Underdogs. Details exactly the same, so do check that out, please. And as I said, Paul Krishnamurti and Richard Mann picked their winner and their top four, plus... I know there's more. We will tell you how to bet the top series bat and bowler prices. Oh, I'm exhausted already. Well, my voice is at least. Uh, let's get on to an outright. Um, these prices are with the Betfair Exchange. India are the favourites at 3.1. They have shortened again. England are 4.9. Australia 5.7. Pakistan 9.2. South Africa 10.5. New Zealand 12. Sri Lanka 60. Bangladesh 150. Afghanistan 190, Netherlands are 100 to 1. Hawkins, remind us how it works, please. Yeah, those t- uh, 10 teams play nine games, so they play each other once. We reckon six games uh, to get through to the semi finals because it's top four uh, only making it through to the semi finals, which means this tournament is weighted heavily in favour of those top teams because the ICC want the TV revenue and marketing revenue, etc. If there is rain around, and there has been a bit of rain around actually during the warm-up games, uh, it's a bare minimum five matches to get into that top four with a a no result perhaps helping you along the way. So massive odds um, against those bottom feeders, and that's why we've split them up into these two shows. So we're dealing with the big boys. Lovely stuff. Richard Mann, um, what trends do you expect to see? Big runs, spin key perhaps? Yeah, I'm glad Ed mentioned the rain, actually. So we're just coming out of the rainy season in, in India, so I would be a little bit careful So we, uh, for the first week or so. We might get some rain shot on matches, but then when that passes, and I think it will pass, I expect big runs here. I mean, the groundsmen, are, ground staff, sorry, have had plenty of time to prepare the pitches. Um, the pitches have had a good break since the last India season. I think we'll get good pitches. I don't expect big boundaries either, um, and big runs could be the order of the day. Okay, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Paul Krishnamurti, you've been looking at key trends for some of these pitches. I remind you of the whopping chase bias, chase bias at the Chapauk, by the way. Uh, what have you got? Well, first of all, I'd note that we've got a very limited sample of ODIs at these grounds, really. Uh, nothing like what we're used to in T20s. And I'd be very wary of transferring domestic form. And I'd note that a lot of these games in the sample um took place at different times of year. So a lot of the thoughts here really stem from the wider evidence we've got here from the IPL and T20s. So we'll start and say there's four out-and-out roads. Pune, 
which the numbers there are amazing and this was always really reliable in the IPL. So I think that's definitely a 300 plus ground. Bangalore, which we know from the IPL, is a very small ground, huge scores possible if the ball's coming on there, but you've got to be a little bit wary because sometimes it's slow, in which case it'd be an underground. But if it's not slow, then that's a 350-plus pitch. Uh, Kolkata, Eden Gardens, likewise, very small boundaries, very gettable, extremely reliable for overs in um, IPL. And Darren Sala, where we haven't got that much evidence, but we saw two games in the IPL, Scores are 213198187189. So I think that's another overs ground. The two low scoring grounds for me are Look Now and Chennai. Um, Look Now in particular look very slow during the IPL. And the two more wildcard ones are Ahmedabad, where historically it's not that great. But again, in the IPL, it was really good. We saw loads of 200 plus scores there. So I think that probably is an overs ground. And then the Wankhede Stadium at Mumbai. Finally, now this one, again, small grounds. You can get a lot of boundaries late on. If a team's got wickets in hand, back them for overs at the death. But note that the bowlers generally get quite a lot out of the new ball here. And you get two new balls over the 50 overs. So I think you've got to, um, with Mumbai, I would really just wait until the 35th, 40th over. And if a team's got wickets in hand, then you go overs. Okay, thank you very much, Paul Krishnamurti. And now we can get on with our countdown. In reverse betting order, our first team is South Africa. 10.5 to win it on the Betfair Exchange, 4.7 to reach the final, 2.5 to make the semis. Hawkins, get low down for us, please. Yeah, they're the second best team on two-year win percentage, winning 62% of the time. Last two years, win percentage batting first, 69%. They're 50% record in the chase. Their batting strike rate is number two. Here they go. They're going to win it. Incredible numbers. Wait. The bowling economy, they're absolutely abysmal with the ball. Netherlands have a better economy rate than South Africa over the last two years. And losing Nokia and Magala surely is uh, another negative. Uh, possible 11 for you. Decock, Bavuma, Van der Dassen, Markram, and Miller, Janssen, Felicoweo, or Kutza, Rabada, Maharaja, and Shamsi. Uh, shock rating has to be high given that uh, bowling economy issue. They could struggle to defend something big, but they their top six is absolutely terrific. They could bully their way into the top four, but not for me. They can't win it for me with going around the park like that. Richard Mann, Paul Krishnamati, you're traditionally both quite sweet on South Africa. Richard, surely you can't bet them this time, given that polling stat. Yeah, I mean, the, the injury to Nokia was a, was a massive dagger through the heart because he's their best bowler, brilliant in the T20 World Cup in Australia. Um, I suppose the positives for me is I'm expecting Rabada to step up in, in this World Cup. He's a world-class performer, but he was poor in the last T20 World Cup. Um, but I think with Nokia gone, you've got to expect more from him. I think Marahaj and Shamsi, I think with Nokia out, they'll be forced to play both spinners on most grounds. And I really like the finger spinner and the wrist spinner in, in tandem. I think they've got to go that route. But I think ultimately, if South Africa are going to have a good run here, 
what the bowling won't matter so much. It'll be that batting. And I think from four to six, actually, Markram, Classen, and Miller, I'm not sure there's a better middle order engine room elsewhere in the competition. Maybe India, if, if Sky Yadav plays and gets going, but I think that's a hell of a batting lineup. And I think South Africa will make the, the top four. And I think at that point, and it's unusual for a South Africa team, I don't think no one would want to play them because I think if that middle order goes bang, then they can beat anyone. Okay, Paul Krishnamurti, you were wobbling on South Africa a while back, but they came good against Australia. Was that, uh, was you know, what is the true wrong price here, if there is one? Well, they did drift to like 14 on the exchange during that series, and now they're in a 10.5. And now having lost Norkir, I'm much less enthusiastic about them. I think what Rich just said was absolutely spot on. I think that the middle order is fantastic. I think they have got very, very big scores in them. Um, I mean, even if you look over in Heinrich Klassen, he's arguably the best batsman in the world at the moment. Miller's a great thing, a great player. Um, Marco Janssen's a great all-rounder. You could even have Kurt Sierra at 10 who can bat. But are they going to defend it without Norkia? And you have to say probably not. I think you're going to get a lot of high-scoring games and... They could make the top four, but I've I've lost a lot of faith in them. And you, of course, you can't get away from the fact that they perennially fail in these tournaments. Okay. Any angles on trades going forward for this team? Um, Paul Richard Mann first. Yeah, so I think uh, my old friend, Rassi van der Dussen, I think he will have the worst strike rate. I think he will make the least headlines. But in a nine long season or potentially 11 long tournament, he will score the most ones because I think they'll just have to bat around him and he'll start slowly. Thought four to one for him was was a fair bet, actually, for top South Africa series bat. Uh, and Marahaj, I think he'll play all the games. Want to point out, if you're backing a bowler in the, for a top team market through the tournament, the seamers, particularly for the big teams, are liable to get a rest here and there. Whereas your spinner's unlikely to do so. Marahash, first choice for South Africa. I think he'll play all the games. Okay, Paul Krishnamurti. Anyone else struggling to hear Paul? Paul's got, Paul's got himself on mute, actually. Sorry. Yeah, just to reiterate, run galore in their games, so maybe back both to score 300 in their games. Uh, and in particular, match 15 against the Netherlands, Darren Sala. I think that if they back first, that's a game's back. 350 or more, 380 or more, maybe 400 or more. Sorry, just to jump in, I mean, very naughty early doors. I've not given you the uh, data that I promised you. I forgot to give you your South Africa top bat and top bowler, your best performers on those markets last two years. So it's Klaassen winning 27% of the time and the Gidi winning 33% of the time. Okay, lovely stuff. Thank you, Hawkins. Quick reminder that every game will be previewed on betting.betfair for this World Cup. There are also team guides, loads of analysis on how to bet this tournament. Over 18s only, please. And do visit begamblerware.org. Right, next up, we have Pakistan. All these prices on the Betfair exchange. 9.2 to win, 3.3 to reach the final, 1.73 for the semis. Hawkins, please do your worst. Yeah, this is your best team on win rate last two years. They're winning 70% of the time. They're winning 75% batting first. They're winning 78 batting second. They can do the lot. Their batting strike rate is fifth. Their bowling economy rank, rather surprisingly, though, is eighth. 
They've got a few doubts about their middle order, but that's not the biggest of their problems. We'll get to that in a second. Possible 11 for you after they lost Harris-Ralph, which is a uh, another blow. Uh, rather upsets their modus operandi. But uh, Faka, Iman, Baba, Rizwan, Aga Salman, Iftikhar, Shadab, Nawaz, they're going to have to switch perhaps to two spin bowlers. Wasim, Afridi and Ralph. Uh, the biggest problem is the fact they're playing in India. And there's going to be all kinds of shenanigans going off to make sure Pakistan don't have a particularly easy time. If Pakistan do finish first or fourth in this group, they'll go to Mumbai. Well, they won't go to Mumbai because India will throw their toys out of the pram and make sure that doesn't happen. And there'll be all kinds of business going off to make this an uncomfortable tournament for them. It's very geopolitical. Uh, anyone who knows anything about how India get on with Pakistan will reckon that there is no way in hell Pakistan are winning a World Cup on Indian soil. Tune in but I've done it again, have I? I've done it again. Top bat re return percentage. Uh, Babrazam, 33%. Harris-Ralph, 40%. It's not a freed. It's Harris-Ralph is your best bet. 40% return last two years. Sorry, I'm going to get this right at some stage. That's all right, Hawkins. Um, and look, you're just thinking about your spin-off politics, only better. I'm going to have to go straight to Paul Krishnamurti on this one. Uh, what say you, Paul Krishnamurti? Well, it's covered it. I mean, um, this is really not going to be a pleasant seven weeks for Pakistan, I don't think. Um, this is an Indian general election campaign ongoing here. Narendra Modi is an ultra-nationalist, some would say fascist, populist, Islamophobe, all of that. Um, as Ed pointed out, the Pakistan have already been fitted out, fitted up on their during their preparation with their visas not coming through, so they couldn't um, pair properly. And they must be aware of this. And you know, you just wouldn't want to be a Pakistani player going into this like cauldron of nationalism and hostility. And I, you know, I don't think they're going to enjoy it at all. And then you add to that. A good side though they are on paper, they are a bit of a suspect team at the best of times. I mean, if Pakistan were a horse, they'd have the time form squiggle. They repeatedly bottle big games or flatter to deceive. In, in the Asia Cup, they were thrashed by India. They were beaten by Sri Lanka in the semis, who we all thought were supposedly markedly inferior. They arguably bottled the T20 World Cup in the um, United Arab Emirates. So for me, they don't make any appeal at the odds. They're a much better value bets than them. Okay, Richard Mann, your thoughts, please. Yeah, I think the guys have covered it. I mean, they have drifted a little bit in the last few days, but rightly so. I thought they were really disappointing at the Asia Cup. The injury to Nassim Shah's a hammer blow. Um, I just I just don't think they'd be good enough. I mean, remember Baba averaged 50 at the Asia Cup and they still couldn't make the final. I mean, how, how many is he gonna have to have? what sort of tournament is he gonna have to have for them to win this? I mean, there's so much on his shoulders. Okay, any betting nuggets uh, first, Richard, uh, Paul Krishnamurti, please? Well, just based on what I was just saying, I think I could see them falling to a big-priced upset somewhere. Afghanistan would be a contender for that. They've beaten them before quite recently. Um, and generally to underperform at big odds, you know, maybe selling their runs, for example, in um, in some games. And Ed's already mentioned that Harris Ralph is, is the man. He's repeatedly underpriced in this. So I'd probably take the 23 to 10 top series bowler. Okay, Richard Mann. Uh, just a quick one for me. Um, 
really good up front with a new ball. Shane Afridi, obviously, they, they generally take early wickets, but the spin and in the middle overs taking wickets has been a massive problem for them. So I, I suspect that in middle order against Pakistan is a way to go. Uh, India did that with Ishan Kishan at the Asia Cup. Um, or just, just, just back, back overs on runs after they say three down after the power play, which invariably happens against Pakistan, and then let the middle order do the business. Okay, thank you very much, Richard Mann. Three teams to go. We name our top four and our winner at the end of the show. So please do stay tuned for that. Edward Hawkins, uh, at cricket at cricket betting. You can see him in the uh, lilac shirt, pink shirt, salmon shirt, maybe in the glasses on the top left of my screen. Um, he will be doing his uh, betfair to betting betfair column published on Tuesday um, as well. So do check that out. Right, we move on to Australia, the once dominant force who find themselves 5.7 to win this iteration of the tournament on the Betfair Exchange and on the same site, 2.74 to reach the final and 1.33 to reach the semis. Hawkins, please put flesh on those bones. Yeah, their data, their numbers is very, very solid. Uh, last two years, win percentage ranked their fourth. Uh, they do well batting first, winning 62% of the time. They're pretty solid in the chase, winning 50% of the time. Third and fourth on batting power and bowling economy. Uh, highest top bat return in your last two years, it's David Warner with 36%. His form was absolutely held up in this format. Highest top bowler percentage return is Adam Zampa, returning 52% of the time. There's a sort of lot to like about the Aussies, not least because you know you're going to give... Um, well, you're going to get a side who are going to give it absolutely everything. And they know how to win games. They've got supreme confidence in their ability in the big games. Possible 11 for you. Warner Marsh, Smith, Labashan, Kerry, Maxwell, Green, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood and Zampa. Big negative for me is I don't know why they've not picked an extra spinner. Uh, Travis Head could well come back into the tournament at some stage. They've given him time to do so after that broken hand. Uh, shock rating, by the way, medium. I think the first three games that look now um, could be really tricky for them against India, Sri Lanka and South Africa. It may be that Australia get a bigger price in play um, and we might be betting them uh, maybe in about a week's time or something like that. OK, Richard Mann, Australia guaranteed to put a shift in. Where's the wrong price here? Are they lay to make the semis? No, no, I, I think the price is fair enough. Really strong. I think the recent series with South Africa was a brilliant one. Could potentially be a strong form guide um, to the World Cup. I think they've got loads going th from for them. I think ever since midpoint of the 2021 T20 World Cup, when we were on here, weren't we? I think Paul was criticising David Warner, not me. Uh, and then suddenly Mitchell Marsh and Warner went bang. And they, they turned, turned them around, didn't they? Since then, their white ball cricket has been aggressive and fearless. And they've turned into a terrific side. The one negative is the injuries that they've got going on at the moment. I mean, Cummins and Stark have had no cricket. They were injured in the Ashes. Just coming back. Um, obviously, Ed's mentioned Travis Head as well. Um, Maxwell's coming back from injury. So... I, I agree with that. I could see them starting slowly, particularly the bowling attack, but I think ultimately they'll get through and I think they'll be a tough nut for anyone to crack. Paul Krishnamurti. I could never rule the Aussies out in 50-over cricket. Um, they're very strong in this format. And you might be surprised to know their record away to India is last 16 games, eight apiece. So maybe they're not as badly suited to these conditions as I would have thought. 
They've got great batting depth. I mean, that middle order, Cameron Green, Glenn Maxwell, Carey, Cummins even, there's real power there. They can get big scores. I think the worry that um, both Rich and Ed have touched upon there is the bowling. Um, I think the pace are good enough, but are they ready? Are they fit enough? And I don't think that, I don't, controversially maybe, because he has got a good record recently, but I don't really rate Adam Zampa, truly world-class spinner. And who's the second choice for that? Glenn Maxwell's probably not good enough. So they might struggle to contain sides. That would be the worry. But I think they're still solid contenders. Okay. Lovely stuff. Um, any Aussie nuggets, please, Richard Mann? Well, I agree with that. I mean, leaving Agar out was a shocker, really. Maxwell's going to have to do plenty of bowling now. Uh, picked up four for 40, I think, in the last uh, game against India. I think when they come up against sides with left-handers, think Bangladesh, uh, Pakistan actually have a couple up, up top as well, don't they? Maxwell will do a lot of bowling. So I think that the, in those sort of games, player performance markets, I'll probably be betting Glenn Maxwell because he might be priced up as if people are expecting him to bowl two or three overs and he might well be getting through 10. Okay, Paul Krishnamurti. Well, two of their first three games at look now. Um, I think that, uh, as memory served, though it's a slow pitch there, Paceman did really well there. Like Mark Woods was very effective on that ground. Um, so perhaps I could see Mitchell Stark being doing well in those in those first in those early games, and not particularly special value. But I would back Mitchell Marsh sixteen five top batsman because I think he's a great form. Okay, lovely stuff. Thank you, fellas. England and our favourites, India, still to come. England are the winners in 2019. The question is, can they go back-to-back? Bet for exchange prices, 4.9 to win, 2.9 for the final, 1.29 for the semis. Hawkins, who remains bitter to this day about the 2019 success, is going to tell us how they are going to go. Well, I'm very negative about England. I'm very keen to hear what Paul and Richard say, but I'll stick to some facts. And that is last two years' win percentage is equal fifth. Last two years' win percentage batting first, 62%, is the first of the negatives. Last two years' win percentage batting second, just 38%. They've lost that mojo in the chase. Remember when they were in 2019, absolutely guaranteed to get home, weren't they, in the build-up to that World Cup? The batting strike rate remains strong at number one ranking. Bowling economy rank equal sixth. They weren't a great side going to that 2019 World Cup either with the ball, but no Joffre Archer. Players to follow on the bats and the bowls. Uh, return rates, Butler 27% and Rashi 57% respectively. Possible 11 for you, Besto Milan Root. Stokes, Butler, Livingston, Moeen, Sam Curran, Rashid. Wood and Topley. When they went into that 2019 tournament, they were winning 74% of the time. Um, I've got negatives about the ball, specifically injury-prone Mark Wood, injury-prone Reese Topley. Sam Curran had a dreadful IPL because he wasn't basically quick enough on these IPL, uh, on those Indian pitches. Adil Rashid uh, on statistical data, signs of decline. Since 2019, Joe Root can't buy a run. Butler uh, is a decent skipper and will hold that middle order together, I, I suspect. But Besto and Milan are untested. Milan maybe doesn't go well in Asian uh, conditions. Uh, somebody talked me down from uh, laying this lot to uh, make the top four, please. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, um, 
Paul Krishnamurti, do you agree with Captain Negative? I think he's right. I think he's right. Certainly, if we're talking from a value perspective, he's definitely right. There's no way England should be such a short price here, so close to India in the betting. Um, yes, they're a great white ball side, but they haven't been great since Owen Morgan stepped down. The last World Cup was in England. This is in India, where that lack of bowling economy is probably going to prove very expensive. Um, I think all the questions Ed raises are absolutely fair. You know, Milan's our top batsman at the moment, but he hasn't got a great record in these conditions. Um, you couldn't rule us out. We certainly do have the batting to get the big scores that are required, but I think we will struggle to contain. And I think there are at least four, maybe five sides stronger than the us. Okay. Thank you very much. Richard Mann, you are a, you're a patriot, aren't you? Are they the wrong price to win at these these pesky Brits? Uh, or that price looks maybe a little hard to justify? Yeah, I mean, it's some negativity going on here. Um, <laughs> there's just so much to say about England. Um, my feeling is that they've got, they've got one or two really bad days in them. I think what we saw in the T20 in Australia last year was, and they were shocking to get them. I mean, Ireland beat them, didn't they? But then when they got to the knockout stages... They play fearless, aggressive cricket. There'd be no backing down from them. And they're a danger to anyone. And, and as we've said, with that batting lineup, they, they can take anyone down. The bowling, as we've said, really concerns me. And if you look at Australia, Sam Cohen was our best bowler. The bouncer, he bowled the bouncer a lot. He got hit a lot, but big square boundaries in Australia. We got a lot of catches at square leg, deep fine leg. That doesn't happen here, as we saw in the IPL, because it, Shorter boundaries, it sails six six rows back, doesn't it? So I think England's bowling is a massive issue. Um, a long tournament as well will Rashid and Wood get through. Um, so I'm I'm pretty. I think they'll make the semis, and I think there'll be a danger to all. But I think there's some some bad days in them along the way, and if they they have a bad day in the semis, they're out, aren't they? I think the thing in with the thing with England is it's difficult to look back at 2019 and not be influenced by that, and and. It's a, it's a question actually for both Richard and Paul whether we should be influenced by 2019 because they were the absolute best team in the world. It's an outstanding team in 20, going into that tournament in 2019. India favourites this time. They're not as dominant as England were for that um, tournament. But England still lost three matches in that 2019 tournament. And they were playing knockout cricket in the group stages. And they didn't even win it properly anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, they're not a team to back at short prices. I just don't see it. They're, you can't rule them out, but they're just not a team to back at short prices. And there are going to be situations in this where the outsiders are great value. I mean, even the first game, I think New Zealand at 2.9 is a cracking trade. I think that could be a very close match. And I think I'll be back in New Zealand that first match for sure. They were lucky to win in 2019. They deserved it because of the build-up, didn't they? Like Ed says, they were the dominant force. But I mean, let's be right in the final. I mean, there was so many points in that run chase where they where they got lucky. I think they're really dangerous in knockout cricket because they're kind of proven winners and they know how to get the job done. Um, but but I, I do think they're vulnerable along the way because I, the middle order is another area we haven't even touched upon. Moe, not as consistent as he was. Livingston finished the summer well, but I mean, his career really has been all about inconsistency. I think if England lose early wickets... Um, 
Butler in that middle order, but then after that, I could see them imploding a bit. I, I just worry about them against high-class spin in the middle order as well. There's another negative I've thrown in. You're going to have to stop me, Sam, because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that? A quadruple negative from Richard Mann. Right, any nuggets, fellas, or have you done that in this wibbling? Well, I'm going to reiterate, New Zealand, I think, are a great bet in the first match, and that's just got revenge for the 2019 final written all over it, 2.9. I could certainly back Afghanistan at a huge price against England. I think Afghanistan will produce an upset somewhere and we'd be right for that. And one bet on the um, the series markets, just based on the strike rates, I think 5-1, to one, Reece Topley's a bet. He has by clearly the best strike rate in OGI cricket. Okay. Given we've... Sorry, quickly, given we've said that England and South Africa are poor attacks, I think they play at the 1K day, don't they, Paul? I mean, that's got to be a both teams to score 300, even more game. I, I think these these batting lineups and two week bowling attacks. South Africa at the 1K day. Yeah, the only thing about saying about the 1K day is this thing that it is also good for the bowlers with the new ball. So it's a wait and see. I think, yeah, if England are three down, I'd wait in running. If you were like, if England was three down after 35 overs, that is a massive overs opportunity. I think that the middle order could go crazy and South Africa would as well. But I would wait because of the new ball. Okay. Thank you, fellas. That is England done, unless there's any more for any more. No. Great news. Okay. India. Oh, the favourites. Oh, the favourites. Sorry, my voice gave out on me there. Shortening steadily over the course of our preview show, indeed, as uh, Hawkins, Krishnamurti and Mann ripped them limb. It ripped rip their challengers limb from limb. They are now India 3.1 on the Betfair Exchange to win this thing. 1.92 to reach the final. 1.16 for the semis. Hawkins, can you get these fellas beat? I don't think I can. Modi will make sure they win it. Um don't quote me on that one. 2019 finished semi-final. Their numbers are pretty solid, um, as you would hope for the favourites. Uh, third on win percentage, 70% winning batting first, 54% in the chase, four and three respectively on batting and bowling rankings. Highest top bat return percentage uh, last two years is Shubman Gill, 32%, and Boomer is returning 40% of the time with the ball, so that's your top markets down for individual games. Possible 11 for you, Rohit Gill, Kohli, Rahul, Yadav we think is going to play, Hardik, Jadeja, Kuldeep, Shami, Bumrah and Siraj. They've won 78% of their matches at home in the last two years. They need to win a rate of 66% to get into the semi-finals. Uh, they're going to be very, very tough to spot, uh, to stop, to spot. Uh, no, you'll see you'll see them coming, that's for sure. Uh, 1.92 to reach the final. What price are they going to be in a semi-final? Well, I'd be surprised if you're getting 1.8, maybe a little bit bigger than that, but not much. So you can almost certainly make a case for them at 1.92 to reach the final for strong value. The big shock for them will be if they don't make the final, given everything, absolutely everything in their favour. Paul Krishnamurti, which of these prices is wrong? Well, uh, 1.16 to reach the semis strikes me as very, very generous. I just cannot see how that happens. Really cannot see any path for them not qualifying. And even once you factor in the 1.16, 1.92 for the final is wrong because, well, I mean, I think 
even what Ed just said, I think 1.8 is really optimistic about them against anybody. They'd have, to be, they'd have to be going up against uh, an England or a South Africa who blitzed everyone yeah. in the group to be about 1.8 when they pull. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I've gotten down potentially facing New Zealand. That could be 1.4. There's a good chance India will win this group stage and they are just runaway favourites at the semi-final stages with everything. So, I mean, I've batted them at 94 for the tournament um, and I... and. I haven't bet those side markets, but I think they're, they're wrong. I just think they're the best side, full stop. They've got the best squad. They're the best in the conditions. All their batsmen are in form. Um, they're bound to hit huge scores on these roads. The Asia Cup form was really ominous. Um, you know, they haven't been that consistent of late, but now they've got their bowling attack back, Bumra, Shami and Siraj. Really, I, I, don't see my, I, I don't see a rival. And remember that... Um, the record of favourites in this competition. I'm not a favourite back at the best of times, but six straight favourites have won the World Cup. Three of those six were the home nation. So really everything points to them. Richard Mann, why don't they win it? You've given me the hardest question after that, haven't you? Well, everything comes down to price, I suppose. So I'll try and make a case against them. Um, I think 1.92 to reach the final, as a guy said, that is a knocking bet. I think if we got that far, the only... Possible, and I'm nitpicking just on price here. We've seen Rohit's mantra is all about attacking fearless batting. That's what he wanted when he took over. And in bilateral series and at the Asia Cup, they did that. And it ominous signs, as Paul said. But when we got to the T20 last year, and I keep referring back to that tournament, when they got to the semis against England, they kind of re- reverted to default, really. Curley went ghostler, and they were lucky to get 160-odd uh, at Adelaide on a flat pitch against England. England chased it down in 16 overs. Will they, with the pressures of playing at home, do the same again in the knockout stages? I'm not convinced. I'm just trying to make the case for, for being against them. And the other slight, and again, I'm nitpicking. I wouldn't be saying this if they were 4-5-1. to one. I think Bummer's really, Jasper Bummer is really important to this side. And we saw it in Australia in that World Cup when he wasn't there. They missed him. He's not played a lot of cricket. They'll have to nurse him through this tournament. If he was to go down, I think he'd be a real big blow, probably more than other sides missing bowlers. I think he's that good, Bummer. Um, but I'm only saying that because of the price. I, look, I think that they're, they're going to be really hard to stop. Okay. Word on the street is the the uh, British Broadcasting Corporation have been going around saying India are chokers in ICC tournaments. Is that even a factor here, Richard Mann? And then Paul. I absolutely hate this term. I, I've got to say, I think it's lazy analysis. It wasn't any of you guys, was it? <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I just think this is... To, I really don't like it. We hear it a lot in individual sports. Oh, he bottled that game. He choked that game. Talking about guys or, or women who've played in front of millions of people and won massive tournaments. No, they've played a bad shot or they've had a bad game. I don't really buy this chokers thing. We hear it about South Africa a lot. It's a completely different team now to the one that blew it against Australia in 1999. I don't, I don't buy it for one second. I think more it's just about India's attitude, actually, and sometimes the batting has been a little bit selfish. Um, I, 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 I don't believe in it, to be honest. Paul? Well, the thing is, I would normally be completely 100% backing up what Rich just said. Except that I have said it about South Africa so many times before major competitions. They do bottle it every time. Like Netherlands in the World Cup last... That in the was a disgrace. That was a disgrace. disgrace yeah. 
if you were looking for a negative for back in India, it's that. It's that they've got a slightly dodgy record. And also that, you know, given the politics and the expectation and the fanatical support, they are under immense pressure. Perhaps you have to say, I mean, England were hosts, but they weren't under anywhere near that sort of pressure to deliver that India are. And I guess you have to balance it against the rest, but it doesn't deter me from betting. They'll just change the rules if things aren't going right for them. That's what they'll do, as they did in the Asia Cup, to make sure they got to the they got to the final. They added a reserve day for their game, and everyone else got one. Uh, but Richard is right. Um, the opposing captain will stick them in in a knockout, reckoning the pressure will get to them, and they'll play for themselves. That's what will happen. I think that's what Moeen absolutely demanded England do in that Adelaide game that um, Richard mentioned. So that is their one sort of nitpick. What do you guys think on that? Do you think that's gone now and they'll, they'll, they've, they've turned that page? Or, or would you be concerned at all? No, I, I would, a little bit concerned about that, particularly if they've got Deep at eight, because they will try to justify it perhaps in their own minds that, well, I need to be a bit more circumspect here um, because we're, we're protecting our middle order. We don't want to get uh, blown away at the top, so they'll be more careful. So, yeah, I mean, it is a concern, but... It's probably the only negative that India have got, I think, um, where their sides have got bigger issues to solve. But that's what I think anyway. No, I, I agree with that. A lot of flaws throughout this tournament, actually. I I don't... I, yeah, India are definitely the, the one side with the least amount of flaws. Okay. Um, moving from flaws to nuggets, Richard. No, I, I haven't got a specific thing with India, actually. No, I, I, I think you could take 1.92 for the final, and I think that's a pretty safe bet. But other than that, no, I've, I've no strategies in play for these guys. Uh, Paul Krishnamurti? I haven't got much here because they're all so strong. Um, I don't really see the ways. I think, given that I think they will rest Bumrah at times in this, I would back Mohamed Siraj for top series we can take or seven. So he seems to be at his peak right now. And that's that, unless you've got anything you want to add, Hawkins. No, I don't. Lovely. Well, Quick Game's a good game. There you go. You might need to listen two or three times back to that as it's so crammed with insights and angles. Thank you very much, Paul Krishnamurti and Richard Mann. Terrific stuff. And Hawkins, as always. A slight breather now before we go to the verdict. How to bet top tournament bat markets, please, Hawkins. Easy peasy. Uh, five of the last six have been won by opening batsmen. So for goodness sake, don't look outside of an opening batsman and also pick a batsman who's going to go deep in the tournament because the same ratio has made it to the final. OK, uh, quick name and number and short rationale now, please, from Richard Mann and then Paul Krishnamati. Uh, should Mungil, the best opening one-day international batsman in the world, playing for what we think is the best team? He, I think he could be five to one here, and you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised. And he's not his biggest, so he's the one for me. Completely agree with that, Should Mungil. Hawkins, there's a bit of a pattern here. How do we bet the top? Wicket taker for the tournament market, please. Well, yeah, five of the last six have been won by left arm pacers. So, for goodness sake, don't look past that type of style of bowler, please. Easy peasy. Name, number, and rationale, please. Paul, you go first this time. Trent Bolt, 16 to 1, always a factor, whatever the conditions. And I think that New Zealand could well make the top four surprising. Richard Mann. 
Yeah, I'd have gone for Bolt, but I'm a bit down on New Zealand. I'm going to go for probably Pat Cummins of Australia because I think he will have to play all the games, um, whereas some of the seamers may not. It's like he's not even listening to the word you say, Hawkins. <laughs> right. Drum roll, please. Who wins this tournament? Who makes the semi-finals? We should have some tense music for this, but instead I think human Hawkins will probably human beatbox for us. Um, let's go, Richard Mann. You first. Oh, I'm going to have to stick with South Africa. Uh, the four semi-finalists and, and the top four in the group, though, will be India, South Africa, Australia, and England sneaking there for me at four. Paul Krishnamurti. Okay, India to win, Australia to lose in the final, South Africa and New Zealand to be the other qualifiers in the six. Okay, thank you very much, fellas. That is a wonderful show. Uh, if you're still listening, you've made it through. My voice has just about made it through. If any of these uh, tips are wrong, do feel free to throw your displeasure the way of Edward Hawkins at Cricket Betting. He's got skin like a rhino hide. But you do need to do it now before a ball is bowled. Otherwise, your view is null and void, I, I, I see written here. We're back same time next week, picking winners for the actual matches. Yes, there will be some real live cricket very soon. Should be the other way. It feels like a strange to not have some actual cricket. Um, this has been the Cobb and the ultimate betting guide for the Cricket World Cup. We will see you very soon and have a lovely time in the meantime. <laughs>